In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. This is the internationally acclaimed OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by Anderson Hauser. Anderson Hauser is a global leader in measurement instrumentation, services, and solutions for industrial process engineering. They serve many industries across the globe, including a focus in oil and gas. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. Today, our show is particularly international because one of our guests, Barry Simpson, is joining us from... Barry, where are you at? I'm between Spain and the UK. Normally, I'm based in UK, but currently, you've caught me here in Spain. Okay, and that's because you're on a job there. Are you is that you have another home there, or I have a home here as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. And Barry, you're with a company called Bead Environmental, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So between Spain and where? UK, Aberdeen. Okay. All right. Okay. You know, I ask you where are you at every time my elementary grammar teacher heard heard me say that she would always say between the a and the t because you're not supposed to put at at the end of it just supposed to say barry where are you but anyway between that and my texas accent well what can i say so our other guest is adrian longley and adrian you are in i'm in dubai you're in dubai okay so that's uae correct that's right all right I'm in Houston, Texas. Everybody knows that. It's just after 11 o'clock in the morning. What time is it there, Adrian? It's currently 8 o'clock in the evening. It's 40 degrees C, which for you Americans is 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, boy. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah, but it's a dry heat, Adrian. See, that's what they that's what it they is. always tell us. I never quite figured that out, though. Of course, if anybody knows anything about Houston... We're only 45 miles, you know, from Galveston, you know, only 40 miles from, you know, the Gulf of Mexico. Southeast Texas, extremely, extremely humid. So, for example, yesterday they said it was 93, which <laughs> a little front had come through. It had actually cooled off a couple of degrees. But it says 93, but it says real fill 103. Supposedly that's because of the humidity, you know. And so everybody talks about, say, in Arizona, for example, Oh, it's a hundred and something degree, but it's a dry heat. And I always say, I've never figured that out. You know, go open your oven and turn it up to 105 and stick your head in it and say, oh, it's a dry heat. <laughs> yeah, I've lived in Houston for a couple of years and the humidity there is, is quite something to experience. It definitely is sticky. There, there definitely is a difference there. So what's the weather like in Aberdeen? Well, in Aberdeen at this time of year, it's reasonably warm. It's about 18 degrees or something there. So it's not too bad, not nearly as hot as Dubai, but for Scotland, it's quite good. Okay. Well, anyway, hopefully you're like me. You're sitting in your office, which, of course, since COVID-19, my office is here at, upstairs in a bedroom at my house. But hopefully you got a, a good thermostat and you're comfortable. They, they do have air conditioning in Dubai, don't they, Adrian? They certainly do. However, mine was malfunctioning this morning, which led to oh, some, no. uh, some, some panic running around, <laughs> switching off various junction boxes and resetting things. But it's back up and running now. All right. Good. Okay. All right. So you guys are both with Bead Environmental. So everyone who's listening is going to be able to figure out 
you know, by the name of your company that this particular HSE podcast, the emphasis is going to be the E in HSE. But specifically, we're going to get into the world of drilling waste management, which is something that's near and dear to my heart because that was actually my introduction into the oil and gas industry more than 20 years ago. And so if everyone knew what I know about what I know we're going to talk about here in, in the next several minutes, they'd be as excited as I am to listen to this particular podcast. But first of all, let's talk about you two and let's talk about Bead Environmental. Which one of you wants to go first? Yeah, I can go first, Russell, no problem. Okay, Barry. Okay, so, well, I'm from Aberdeen originally, and I started working offshore in the drilling waste management area in about 1988 in the North Sea, in the Norwegian side of the North Sea. So I spent quite a few years working in the North Sea, Norwegian side, in the Dutch side, in the Danish area, and the UK side of it. And I worked there for about eight years or something, and all the time in drilling waste management. And then I had the opportunity to move to Argentina. I was working for a big Swedish separation company who had equipment for separating liquids and solids, a company called Alfa Laval. So they were just starting up in the drilling waste management site in Argentina at the time. So I moved down there, and that was in 1994. At that time, there was a lot of drilling going on in Argentina, and they were just starting to put in the dry location system. So they were getting away from drilling with waste pits. They had to get the law changed. They had to drill there without any waste pits. So there was a big demand for separation equipment there for cleaning drilling fluids and stuff, mainly centrifuges. So, Okay, so let me stop you there. You said they wouldn't let them use pits anymore? Yeah, they stopped. The laws came out there that you weren't allowed to use any waste pits and put your waste, leave it lying in the ground. So they had to start. Which, of course, is what they had previously done, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was loads of waste pits full of waste all over the Patagonia Desert there. And were they using oil-based mud or water-based mud? A mix of both, yeah. And so did they just bury it or did they land farm it or what? Well, they started to employ recycling equipment at the rig site. So, and you know, before that, they didn't have any centrifuges on the rig. So they weren't worried about cleaning the mud. They were just making new drilling fluid. Then when it got dirty, it got discharged to the waste pits. So they had to employ equipment on the rig and they started using our centrifuges to recycle the drilling fluid and everything. So they weren't allowed anymore to discharge it. So they were using dewatering systems to recycle, reuse the drilling fluid side of it. And then the, on the oil-based mud side as well, they had to use centrifuges to keep the mud as, as clean as possible. And then they had to find other solutions for the oil-based mud cutting. So they started looking at thermal technologies for you know treating the oil-based mud cuttings. Okay. And we're going to get into to that and some of the other technologies here in a minute. So your world traveled then. Yeah, so, you know, so I was there for eight years, and then from there, I moved over to Schlumberger, positioned open up for me in Venezuela. So I was the business development manager for Schlumberger in Venezuela, environmental services at the time. So we spent eight years there helping develop that business in Venezuela. That was obviously, at the time, it was a huge oil production country there, a lot of activity going on, a lot of drilling rigs, a lot of oil-based mud. So at that time, the company was developing a lot of new technologies. So a lot of my time was spent commercializing these technologies, helping the companies there with their waste problems and finding the right technologies for different problems that they had there. So I was there for like eight years at Schlumberger, and then we consolidated Latin America into one regional business area. So I became the director for Latin America Environmental Services. I then moved to Brazil 
in Rio de Janeiro, we moved the head office to Brazil. And that was during the boom there, just before the last crash. But there was a right. lot of activity going on there in Brazil, a lot of offshore work there. So I was there for four years running the Latin America region. And then at the end of that period, I went to Houston for a couple of years. So I was a global operations director for the environmental services in Houston there up until just before the last crisis. So I was looking after the global business for Schlumberger there, the environmental services. And then came the crisis, and then I left Schlumberger, and I moved to another Houston-based company called QMAX. And with QMAX, I did some work for them in Brazil on the drilling waste management side, helping them grow their business in soils control and drilling waste management in Brazil and some stuff in North Africa in the Middle East. And then I got together with the other directors in BEAD, and we formed BEAD Environmental Solutions. Okay. All right. Well, so while you were in Houston, you, you didn't pick up a Texas accent. <laughs> I wasn't there for long enough, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but you had to have learned to, to speak Spanish, right? Yes, yes. No, I had to learn. That was so important for me when I arrived there. I mean, you would, a lot, all of our customers, or the majority of them, were, were local Latin oil companies. So we had to learn Spanish. So I, I made a big effort to do that. When I was in Argentina, I took lessons and everything and learned to speak language so I could, you know, sell our company's equipment and help clients solve their problems. So now Aberdeen is Scotland, right? Yep, yep. Yes. So can a Scottish guy learn to roll his R's? <laughs> it takes a bit of practice, but uh, <laughs> you can get there. You can get there. I managed to do it. All right. Well, so we've got an expert for sure. And with all of your experience, Adrian, tell us about yourself. Sure, sure. So let me see. I joined the oil industry in 1990. When I left college in 1990, I had a quick deviation into gold geology with Rio Tinto. I was down in the uh, in the Amazon in, in Ecuador, which was really quite entertaining. And stupidly, I left and came to the North Sea. <laughs> I started as, oh, you know, I look back and wonder if I made the right choice, but there you go. I started as a mudlogger with geoservices. I was a mudlogger for a couple of years. I went and did a, a master's degree in geology at London University. And I went back at, to at, mudlogging. At, now, I, what university was it? London. London University. Okay. And where'd you get your undergraduate? Yeah, Oxford. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so we so not only have experts on here, folks, we have very smart, smart guys on here today, too. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, yeah wait, wait, wait till you hear the rest of it. Uh, so, so yes, yeah, so <laughs> I got my, my master's degree, and then I went and worked mudlogging again down in West Africa. So that's all the usual wonderful places like Angola and Nigeria and Gabon and a bit in North Africa as well, Algeria and Libya and all those great places. Came back, joined Dowell Schlumberger, who'd just taken over IDF as a mud logging company, as a mud company. And then I was with Dowell for the best part of five years as a mud engineer. And then Dowell Mud Business merged with MI. And then I moved across to MI about a year yeah, after I heard that. Of that. Year. I heard of, I've heard of that little company. Yeah, yeah the, about a year after that, I, I moved out of drilling fluids because, you know, drilling fluids are pretty dull, to be honest, compared to big pieces of orange equipment. And I moved into into what was SWACO at the time. And that was basically a solids control, pressure control company. As Barry was discussing, you know, centrifuges, shakers, screens, or uh, we were doing uh, drilling chokes as well in the North Sea. And I did, oh God, I'm trying to think how long. So I did a number of years in the North Sea with SWACO. I then transferred briefly via Shell to, I did a couple of years with Shell. Actually, I was concentrating on cuttings reinjection in the North Sea for Shell. 
and then I rejoined MI and I moved to mainland Europe where I was based in Holland in The Hague, which is obviously where Shell had their rather large global base. I covered all of mainland Europe for SWACO, which was all of the, you know, that's waste management and their solids control. But all of those countries, you know, there must be 20 odd countries that were drilling. I spent a lot of time in Romania. I distinctly recall that a lot of time in Romania, Germany, uh, Austria, Hungary, Holland. The legislation is very, very tough for drilling waste management. I started to say, do they even drill wells over there? They drill lots of wells, and the legislation is really hard. You know, outside of Holland, it's basically virtually all their land drilling. So, you know, everything they produce on land has to be disposed of in the correct manner, and it's very expensive to just take it to a landfill, if you can even get it into a landfill. So that was my first real introduction to proper drilling waste management on land, because obviously the North Sea is a very different different ball game. So I did that for a number of years, and then 2009, I moved to Kuwait. I was there following my wife who joined uh, KPC, and I had a couple of years in Kuwait where I was covering Kuwait, and then I took over the technical manager role for the Middle East for MI. And then I moved down to Dubai in 2011, where I still am, and then I took the regional manager's role for the Middle East for MI and waste management and sales control. Did that for a few years up to 2017. We'd been taken over fully by Schlumberger by that point. I then joined QMAX for a couple of years and consequently ended up with Barry and the boys indeed. So you guys have crossed paths in your career over and over again, huh? Yeah, yeah. We used to see quite a lot of each other. All right. So you guys formed Bead Environmental. So Barry, are you the president? Adrian, are you the CFO? What are you guys? Yeah. So Bead is led by four directors. So each one of us is a director. So there's myself, there's Adrian, there's another two directors, Edgardo Hernandez, who's based in Colombia, and David Stevenson, who's based in the UK as well. So it's four of it, and we're all directors of the company. Okay. So who's based in the United States? We don't have NMD in the United States as of yet, but I'm sure we will have someone there quite soon, actually. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Okay, so, <laughs> so what, we, what we've done is, is we've established that you guys, you know, you have quite a lot of experience, tremendous international presence. So you guys came together and formed a beat environmental to provide what services? So we formed the company to provide a range of different services, drilling waste management service for different sectors of the market. So we, we spoke with a lot of operators and technology providers, and we, we heard there were some challenges there. You know, in terms of the operators, they recognized that, you know, with the crisis, the oil price crisis, 2013, and then the COVID crisis, there had been a lot of experience had been lost from the industry. So there was no longer the depth of experience with people in the big service companies, everything. And they recognized that, you know, is, is an issue that they were concerned about. And at the same time, you know, the whole ESG thing was growing. So there was pressure on companies to start reporting and improving environmental performance. So we formed the company to help companies address these kind of challenges, particularly the oil and gas companies. But at the same time, we know from our own experience working for MI Swaco and different companies that there's a lot of new technology constantly being innovated and developed for this industry. And it doesn't always come from the big service providers. It's, it's also the smaller companies. Even when I was in MI Swaco and Schlumberger, 
we acquired a lot of smaller technology companies and were able to commercialize their technology globally. But, you know, if you're a small company right now, you don't have that international network that the big service companies have. So with our global experience and network, we're also able to help smaller environmental technology providers take their technology to a market, give them the benefit of our experience and expertise and our network and help them commercialize their technologies on a global scale. So it's working with the oil companies, but it's also working with the smaller environmental technology providers. And we also work with service companies as well, you know, drilling fluids companies who need a bit of help on the on the environmental side of the things. So these are the different segments that we're working on. So in terms of services, so let's say for the oil and gas companies, there's a range of different things we do. So we provide expert advice for waste management strategy planning. So if they're starting up a new project somewhere in a country, international country, some new place, we help them plan their strategy and develop it for that particular project. We help them benchmark and manage their waste management performance at the rig, support for tracking, optimizing the environmental performance, reducing the costs with that. We also provide support for a carbon footprint reduction and carbon performance benchmarking. So we have our own carbon analyzer system that we can help analyze the energy consumption and the carbon emissions from the different processes, drilling fluids and drilling waste management related at the rig site. We do rig audits as well. We make sure that whatever rig they're going to go and use, that it is fit for purpose. It can actually meet the needs of their particular drilling project's goals, environmental goals. We also help with technology assessments and trials of new technologies. So if, we, if there's a new innovative technology in the market, we can help trial it and test it for oil and gas companies. We do the design for solids control and waste management systems, evaluation, optimization of that. We also provide training for solids control, drill fluids, waste management for operators, for service companies. We also provide project management for projects as well. So we will, if a particular operator has a, an offshore project or a remediation project, it's something that we can manage for them. They can outsource that to us. And in terms of the smaller technology providers, we help them with their business strategy. So we can help them market research and develop a robust business strategy to grow their business internationally and also provide them with technical support for the, new, the development of new technology. So that, in a nutshell, is our core business. We also do some stuff with some additional third-party partners like environmental impact assessments, water management, production waste treatment, and a range of other stuff that we do with third parties. So, you know, that, that's basically it in a nutshell. Wow. I remember every one of those things that you just said. So obviously you have a website where somebody can go in and kind of see all this and get a handle on whatever particular thing they might be interested in. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a website there, b-environmental.com. So we have our services broken down into the different market segments we work for. So it's all on there, you know, the services that we can, we can provide. Well, and I really think the idea of helping some small guy with maybe a really great idea or technology or something like that, but he just, you know, he can't get either past or through the big boys or whatever. You reaching out and giving those guys a help, that's a real service. From all this stuff you're doing, y'all must be really busy. In fact, I've been trying to get you on this podcast for two or three months now, and you guys just, you were so busy, I, I couldn't find a time yeah, when you guys yeah. could come on. Yeah, yeah, no, things are really busy now. Despite that we're still coming out of the last crisis, things are really busy. We're finding a lot of demand 
for our services. People want to speak to us. You know, and a lot of it's driven by the prominence of ESG, environmental, social governance. There's everybody's kind of talking about that. So this is something, you know, when you look at the things that they're being measured on in the environmental side of ESG, and all this is public, you know, in, in the states and different countries. So things like air quality, energy management, emissions management, hazardous waste management, wastewater management, these are all core parts of the drilling waste management side of things. So I think, you know, with the prominence of ESG, it's, it's generating a lot of interest in our services. And so the ESG aspect, that's, of course, that's the latest, you know, buzzword yeah. over here in the, in the United States. And in fact, uh, OGGN, we actually have a, a specific ESG podcast, as a matter of fact. We might get you guys on that one as well. So that's ESG. That's significant in, in Dubai. That's significant in Argentina. That's significant in Brazil. I mean, that's something that is important to these companies over there. I would say I'll let Adrian talk for Dubai, but definitely very important in Europe picking up in Latin America, they're all talking about it down there. So they're all trying to figure out what we're going to do. We're talking to quite a few companies in Brazil and Argentina. So they're asking us for help. It's not quite as advanced as it is in Europe, but it's definitely going to be a big issue in the, in the years to come, especially, you know, as the market picks up again, we're seeing a lot of interest in this stuff. Adrian can talk no, about that. It's, it's, it's going to be a major topic going forward. I mean, we see when we engage with the operators that this is obviously their major buzzword above and beyond even commercial commercial stuff now. All they want to know is, you know, carbon calculations, carbon discharges, carbon offsets, etc., etc. And regarding where we sit in, in, I guess, our little area of expertise with DWM, I find it quite interesting when you when you look you look at a rig you pick an offshore rig and you know that it's going to produce 25 tonnes of carbon dioxide equivalent a day when it's drilling. And you drill down, and for my own interest, you know, I decided to look and see what different drilling waste management processes do and produce if you take a typical rig and then you model ship-to-shore, say, versus uh, cuttings reinjection versus thermal units. And it's quite interesting the difference in carbon dioxide equivalent that's emitted into the into the atmosphere, depending on which which route you choose. Okay, so specifically, that's what I want us to get into, is I want us to get into drilling waste management. You know, I want to ask the question, you know, are the perception of so many people, you know, oil and gas companies are the big, bad polluters of the environment. Is that really the case? Oh, it depends which country, which areas you're talking about. You know, as I, as I said earlier on, if you look in Europe, for example, because it's so heavily regulated and heavily legislated, it's very difficult to put a foot out of place. And the key to drilling waste management in these sort of environments is to basically try and reuse as much as possible and to minimize what you end up having to dispose of, because that's quite a tariff that you, that you have to pay. But, you know, if you look at where I am in, in the Middle East and, and certain other countries around, the pressure isn't there to do anything and therefore you're closer to where you were maybe 30, 40 years ago where things can be a little laxer and you end up having discharging and doing minimal minimal treatment. So it really does vary hugely depending on where you are in the, ge- in the geography. 
And do you think that's driven politically or are you beginning to see, how should I, how can I put this delicately, companies with a conscience? Yes, companies with a conscience, definitely. I mean, I've seen, I, I've worked in areas where the legislation isn't up to scratch. The company that I've been working for, international oil companies, will have their own internal guidance, which is stricter and harsher than the country guidance, and they will actually use that in preference to what they could have done. So, you know, this is really good in areas where you're moving into and it's a new frontier and, you know, you've got a country that maybe doesn't have, you know, a strong and rigorous environmental regime. And if the right company is there drilling, they basically come with their own standard and process in order to do the right thing. Okay. Well, I tell you what, for those who were listening and we were talking about pits and we were talking about centrifuges and we were talking about water-based mud and oil-based mud and land farming and getting rid of it and burying it and all that sort of thing, that's what I specifically want us to get into right now, the area, and explain some of this maybe to some folks who don't understand. I think what we're going to do is we're going to stop right here for now. Barry and, and Adrian, again, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show. There's so much to discuss with you guys. We're going to get in directly into this topic of drilling waste management. And we're going to do that on the next podcast. So everybody tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based and international partner for measurement instrumentation services and solutions. We are your people for process automation. Please go to our OGGN Anderson Hauser website, which you can find a link to in the show notes and register for our monthly giveaway there. Also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and that contact info you can find in the show notes. We'll put Beat Environmental's website in the show notes as well. If you're looking for my contact information, it's also in the show notes. If your uh, OGGN has a speakers bureau, if you're looking for a speaker for a conference or a meeting, you can contact me there about having one of our OGGN speakers come and, and speak to your conference or meeting, including Mark LaCour and myself. Please leave us a review on iTunes, like us on LinkedIn, and use all of your social networking to tell your friends about us. And now here's Savannah. We'll see you next time. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for June 2021. This month we have six events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occurred two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting two events. One is online and one is in person. For our online event, we're hosting a live stream titled Deal Value Creation, M&A and ONG. This is going to be on June the 2nd. And for our in-person event, we're relaunching our happy hours. It's been far too long since we had a good happy hour, so I'm sure plenty of you will be excited to hear that our next happy hour will be at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on June 24th. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. We hope to see you there. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events, which are the Energy Capital Conference on June 2nd at the Omni Houston Hotel and the U.S. Police and Fire Championships from June 10th to the 21st. The Police and Fire Championships will be hosted in multiple locations, so make sure to check out our events newsletter for more information about that. Next, we have our two online events. 
the first being the Post-Industrial Summit Series. This event actually started on May 4th, but it'll be ending later this month on June 22nd, so there's still plenty to see. And our second online event is the Big Data Industry Summit from June 9th to 10th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for June. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.